book of Exodus. I'm going to be teaching you tonight again on the tabernacle. Exodus 26, beginning with verse 1. The title of the message tonight is The Christ of the Coverings and Curtains. The Christ of the Coverings and Curtains. So we're going to be studying the coverings and the curtains of the tabernacle itself. Exodus chapter 26, verse 1. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen and blue and purple and scarlet with cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them. The length of one curtain shall be eight and twenty cubits, and the breadth of the one curtain four cubits, and every one of the curtains shall have one measure. The five curtains shall be coupled together one to another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled one to another. And thou shalt make loops of blue upon the edge of the one curtain from the selvage in the coupling, and likewise shalt thou make in the uttermost edge of another curtain in the coupling of the second. Fifty loops shalt thou make in the one curtain, and fifty loops shalt thou make in the edge of the curtain that is in the coupling of the second, that the loops may take hold one of another. And thou shalt make fifty tatchets of gold, Couple the curtains together with the tatchets, and it shall be one tabernacle. And thou shalt make curtains of goat's hair to be a covering upon the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shalt thou make. The length of one curtain shall be thirty cubits, the breadth of one curtain four cubits, and the eleven curtains shall be all of one measure. Thou shalt couple five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves and shalt double the sixth curtain in the forefront of the tabernacle. Thou shalt make fifty loops on the edge of the one curtain that is outmost in the coupling and fifty loops in the edge of the curtain which coupleth the second. Thou shalt make fifty tatches of brass and put the tatches into the loops and couple the tent together that it may be one. And the remnant that remaineth of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remaineth shall hang over the backside of the tabernacle. And the cubit on the one side and the cubit on the other side of that which remaineth in the length of the curtains of the tent it shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side and on that side to cover it. Thou shalt make a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red and a covering above 
of badger's skins. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We thank you for your inspiration tonight upon us. Inspire us to teach and inspire us to receive your word tonight. Father, we thank you that your word is already anointed. We give you glory and honor and praise in all that we do tonight. Father, we need you and we thank you for your presence in us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. The Christ of the coverings. Okay, look over here. You're going to have two uh, things going on here. I think I'm just going to stick with one picture here. And we will go through multiple pictures here. So this is the coverings, the picture of the coverings as a whole. And Brother Bloss can go to the next one. And we'll start breaking the coverings down. Okay. If you look here on the tabernacle itself, we're not going to talk about the pillars or the structure of the tabernacle tonight. We're going to be talking about the coverings, these four coverings that were on the top of the structure itself. Each one of these coverings have significance. Amen. The first outer three uh, speak of Christ's suffering. And then the inner curtain speaks of Christ's glory. So you have a, a four total. You have two curtains. You have the one that makes up the ceiling of the tabernacle, the linen. And you have a curtain of goat's hair. And then you have two coverings. You have a covering of ram skin dyed red. And then you have another covering of the badger skin. So we have a total of four coverings. Three of them speak of his suffering. And the inner one speaks of his glory. Okay, you see that? So these are what we're going to be covering tonight. Now, uh, the first uh, curtain that we will talk about is mentioned at the beginning of Exodus chapter 26. Now, in Exodus 26, we also have the structure of the tabernacle given, which would be the boards, etc. It gives you the dimensions of the tabernacle. Let me just run, to you, run through the tabernacle dimensions with you so you'll know about that. The dimensions of these planks, these boards, are 15 feet high or 10 cubits high. Okay? The inner measurement of the tabernacle is 10 cubits. All right? All the way across, 10 cubits, which is 15 feet across. So 10 cubits high, 10 cubits across. 15 feet high, 15 feet across. The overall length of the tabernacle inside of the planks is 30 cubits, which is 45 feet long. So, 45 feet total length of the tabernacle, it is 15 feet high, and it is 15 feet across on the inside, the inner side of the structure itself. Okay, you there? Okay, do you understand that? And you can find those dimensions in the same chapter of Exodus chapter 26, beginning there with verse... 15, okay? Lord willing, next week we'll talk about the structure itself. It's important to know, though, the size of the tabernacle so we can tell you about the dimensions of the coverings. Now, the first one mentioned in Exodus 26 is this curtain right here. This beautiful, beautiful curtain of linen. Actually, there's a total of 10 curtains. So you'll see it as the Scripture describes it. He says, Thou shalt make the tabernacle. Say the tabernacle. 
Now you're going to notice something different. The tabernacle, or these curtains right here are called the tabernacle. Or the dwelling place of God. Okay? When we get to the next covering, this one here, the goat's hair curtain, it's not called the tabernacle. It's called a tent. And a tent. And there's a difference, okay? But this one's called the tabernacle. That's the dwelling place of God. Okay, you with me so far? All right. So you shall make the tabernacle spread of ten panels, twisted flax. This is the way it's read here. Twisted flax. And then it breaks it down into wool, uh, turquoise or blue, purple wool, and scarlet wool is the way this translation is translated. King James doesn't translate it that way. In the King James, it just says fine linen. But in this translation, you have the twisted flax or the linen, and you have the blue wool, purple wool, scarlet wool, cherubim, the work of the artist, shall you make them. Now, this would be the way that the curtain would have looked. So the colors are mingled together. You see that? It's a little bit different on this picture over here. But that's the way it would look. This is very detailed. Okay, go back to image one, please, brother. All right, so the Bible says <clears throat> there's going to be ten total pa uh, panels. There's going to be five. One, two, three, four, five. All of these panels are going to be sewed together with thread and needle. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. These five are going to be sewed together with thread and needle. <clears throat> now, the five and the five are going to make up one. Okay, one, one, and then they're going to be clasped together with gold clasp and blue loops. So there's going to be 50 loops on each side of the panel, 50 loops here. So you got a total of 100 loops, and you have 50 gold clasp or hooks that are going to hook this tabernacle together. As I said, this is called the tabernacle. Okay? So we have ten total panels. They're going to become one. Five sewn together, five sewn together. And then the two panels of five brought together by uh, loops and hooks. Okay, let's go to the next picture. This is a picture of one panel right here. It tells us in the scripture that this one panel is 28 cubits long. Now, actually, the length of it is going to lay across ways. All right? But the scripture says it's 28 cubits long. 28 cubits is 42 feet. Okay, 42 feet long. Now, remember that the tabernacle, the inner size of the tabernacle, is 10 cubits. So that leaves you a total of 18 cubits beyond the inner structure of the tabernacle. Okay? So if that's the case, then you've got eight or nine cubits hanging over each side. Okay, 28 cubits, one panel. 28 cubits, 42 feet long. Okay, now, the width of this is four cubits. It says in the scripture, four cubits. 
So four cubits, let's see if we add that, that's going to be six feet wide. And I'm going by an 18 inch cubit. There's different cubits, some up to two feet. This particular one says two feet, but I'm using the 18 inch cubit to determine uh, what size. When I say 18 inches, I'm talking about a foot and a half is the measurement we're using per cubit. So you have 42 feet, 28 cubits, or four, and also four cubits wide, six feet. So they're six feet wide by 28 cubits long. Make sense? Okay. And remember, there are 10 of these. So 10 of these at six feet wide gives you 60 feet. So this curtain here of linen is 60 feet long. The tabernacle itself on the inner side is 30 feet or 45 feet in length. So that means it's going to have some hangover in the back, correct? Okay. Let's go to the next. All right. We see the panels here. And I think you have a dimension on this one, brother. If you'll bring the dimension up. Okay. This word almost simply is a cubit. Uh, 20 cubits, 20 cubits, 40 cubits. Total, right? Remember we have four cubits, four cubits, four cubits, four cubits, four cubits wide. Same over here. All of these five are four cubits wide. Correct? Y'all remember that? Okay, so we got a total of 20 cubits. And 20 cubits. Twenty-eight cubits long. Four, four. See, we got five, thirty, sixty. We got a total of sixty feet here. You see that? Number of cubits a foot and a half. So put those together. Forty, uh, forty foot, then another twenty. Sixty feet long. Make sense to you? Sixty feet long. Forty-two feet. They say long in the scripture. It gets a little confusing. But anyway, uh, 42 feet wide is what I'm going to say so you'll understand. Okay, so 42 feet wide, 28 cubits. And then all the way back here, we got 60 feet. I'm going to say long so you'll understand. Okay, of these 10 uh, panels. Everybody understand that? Okay. Go ahead and go to the next one, please, brother. So we're going to give you what the scriptures panels. Then we're going to explain to you what this represents. Okay. You shall make loops of turquoise. King James says blue. Uh, loops of turquoise. It says wool here at the edge of one panel, etc., etc., etc. Fifty loops shalt thou make. Okay. So anyway, without reading all of that again, what you have is you have fifty loops on both sides. Of those two panels of five. You got one panel of five. One panel of five. For a total of ten. Remember the panels of five are sewn together. But in the middle they're going to bring them together by these loops. A total of a hundred. Fifty on each side. And then fifty hooks are going to hook them together. And those hooks are gold. Gold hooks. Now remember. That the fabric is made up of blue, purple, scarlet, white. 
And then you've got these loops right here, these blue loops and the gold clasp. So that if you were to walk inside of the tabernacle, when the priest would look up, he would see those gold clasp in those loops. And remember, because a large portion of that is hanging off the back side, but not on the front side. then that makes those gold clasp in those blue loops hang right over the veil of the Holy of Holies. So when the priest walked in and he looked up and he saw that beautiful fabric, multicolored fabric, and he saw the gold clasp that were joining these loops of blue together, it looked to them, Jewish writers, Hebrewists say that it looked like beautiful stars in the heavens, in the sky, upon that multicolored fabric. Okay, we're going to explain all of this, what it means to us symbolically. Let's go to the next one, please. So you see the gold hooks here? Joining those two panels together, making one tabernacle. You shall make 50 golden hooks. You shall attach the panels one to the other with the hooks so that the tabernacle spread shall become what? One tabernacle. One tabernacle. Okay, do you have a dimension on this? Okay, so 60 feet. Again, for the sake of my understanding, maybe you've got it clear in your mind. 60 feet long is the dimension of that fine linen curtain. That first curtain that goes on the top of the structure itself. Okay? 60 feet long. Whoa. Back up. Go back. Never mind. Just leave it. I think you'll have problems you try to back up. Okay. So anyway, 60 feet long and then 42 feet wide. You got that so far? Now that again, that is the curtain itself. It's not the structure of the tabernacle. If the tabernacle, the inner side of the tabernacle is 10 cubits, that leaves you 18, correct? If there were 28 cubits wide, take 10 off of 28, and that leaves you 18, correct? Well, if you go by that strictly, then you've got 9 feet hanging on either side of the tabernacle. But remember, there's the wood. The scripture doesn't tell you how wide the wood is. The thickness of the wood. It tells you how tall it is. It tells you how wide it is. But it doesn't tell you how thick it is. Hebrewists say that it was a cubic thick. So without, I know this is going to get a little bit confusing in your minds. But if it's a cubic thick, that means you've got a total of 12 cubits. If it's 12 cubits, that only leaves you 16 cubits or eight on each side to hang over. Does that make sense to you? So that's why you have two different dimensions here. You've got one inner size. You've got this one including the outside of the structure itself. And they're given one cubit for the thickness of each board. So eight cubits are hanging down on each side. Simple math. If eight cubits of the curtain is hanging down on each side or nine cubits, depending on what the actual measurement is, we'll just go with eight cubits and say that what they are saying here is correct, that this thickness is a cubit on either side.
And that's how they come up with the 12 on the outside. This is the inside. Okay, so anyway, we go with this number here. If the tabernacle is 10 cubits high, and this is hanging down 8 cubits, that means that from the ground to the edge of that curtain is going to leave 2 cubits. Make sense? Okay. Now, if, as the picture shows, there is no overhanging of the curtain in the front of the tabernacle, then what's going to happen is the majority of it is going to labor on the back side because remember, it's a total of 60 feet or 40 cubits long. And the tabernacle itself is 30 cubits long or 45 feet. So that leaves you. Look, eight cubits hanging along the back wall. See that? Okay, praise the Lord. Is that clear, clear to you somewhat, a little bit? Okay, now let's go to the next one. Maybe we're moving in. Okay, go back, go ahead and go back. All right, that's the goat curtain. We'll talk about that in just a minute. We got previous. Okay. Amen. All right. God is good. When you look at that beautiful linen curtain, the scripture tells us, look at 26 again. Beautiful linen curtain, 40 cubits long, 60 feet. 28 cubits wide, 42 feet. 10 panels, five sewn together, five sewn together, clasped together by gold clasps or hooks in blue circles. You with me so far? Everything that we're talking about is significance. You will notice here on the pictures, this picture and this picture, you will see the cherubim. Now, in this particular picture, it looks more like angels. It looks more like cherubim. Okay? In that picture, what you have is, and what is believed by Hebrewists, is that that linen curtain, beautiful linen curtain, multicolors, the purple, scarlet, blue, and white, had a lion on one side and an eagle on the other side. What is interesting is that this was not sewn on after the panels were made. You know, it wasn't like a patch that you would put on the garment. The Bible says they were inwrought. That means as they made these or we wove those strands of thread, multicolor strands of thread to make up each panel. When they did that, if you can imagine this. They literally put within the fabric itself the picture of the cherubim or the lion or the eagle. So there wasn't just a patch put on it. It was actually a part of the fabric itself. You know, now. If some of y'all are good at needlework. Try to as you're making your garment, try to put the picture. As you weave. And that's that's what was going on here. It was in rot. It's a very, very significant. Now, 
very, very beautiful. It is speaking of the glory of Jesus Christ. It is speaking of Jesus in his resurrection. Okay. And we're going to talk about these different coverings. But first of all, look at it in Exodus 26, 1. Remember the tabernacle is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also a type of the church, type of you. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle. Again, it says tabernacle. This is would be, when you say tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. Significant for you to get that. Not all of these coverings are called tabernacle. This one is called the tabernacle. You with me so far? Okay, so it's the first one, right? On the structure. It would be the one you would see as you went inside and you looked up. It's the first one. It's the ceiling. Okay? <laughs> it is called the tabernacle, which means that it's the dwelling place of God. And it gives you again the ten curtains. Say ten curtains. We've already covered that. So we've got a total of ten panels or ten curtains. Ten is the number of divine government. Okay? Remember that this speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if 10 is the number of divine government, that means that when Jesus came into the world, he fulfilled the law completely. Okay? Because the number 10 is the number of, of divine government, 10 commandments, etc. So when he came into the world, he fulfilled the law perfectly. In fact, he fulfilled it so perfectly, if you go to Luke chapter 9, In verse 51. Luke chapter 9, you will remember, is where Jesus is about to be glory. He's transfigured among his disciples. He goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and all of a sudden, the glory of God begins to radiate through his body. So that while he's standing on that mountain, he looks like a sparkler going off okay he's transfigured among them and when they look at him it is not the light of God shining on his face that's causing him to glow like that the Bible says that he's transfigured he becomes whiter than any fuller can make a garment okay the glory of God is not shining outward on his flesh okay for 33 years, 33 and a half years, Jesus walked into this world. And when you looked at him, there was nothing on the outside of him that would tell you this is God. Okay. When he walked among men, we will get to the badger skin later on. That's what he looked like. He looked like the badger skin. There was no beauty or comeliness that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And the Bible says we hid our face from him. There was nothing on the outside of Jesus that would make you want to serve him or to live for him. He looked like a normal, everyday man. He looked like a carpenter's son. But all of a sudden, he goes on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. And the deity that has been veiled by that flesh, by that humanity, that glory that has not been seen, begins to radiate through his body. As I said, not shining on his face, but 
deity begins to come through his body. The glory of God begins to shine through that humanity. So that what was hid, I'm talking about the glory of God, the visible manifestation of God inside of him that was hid for over 33 years begins to be seen coming through the flesh of Jesus' body. Now, why was that happening? Why? Because you're moving toward the end of Jesus' life and you're moving to the time when He is about to die for us on the cross. And the reason why He is beginning to transfigure, He's beginning to metamorphosize. He's beginning to change. His body is fixing to be glorified. Okay? And the reason why this is happening is because if you look at Luke 9... We're looking at, again, there's a ten, 10 panels. Okay, does everybody have it? Luke 9, 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Are you with me? And this is when he started transfiguring. The Bible says it was the time when he was to be received up. That means that Jesus' probationary period of time for being on this planet was coming to an end. You remember the Bible talks about a man by the name of Enoch? Okay. You need to understand this is going to happen to people I'm preaching to right now in this house. You're going to come to a time when God calls you up. Alright? It's called the rapture of the church. It's called the catching away of the church. It's called the snatching away of the church. Where one day you're just walking in this earth as a normal human being and all of a sudden your body's going to change. And when your body changes, you start taking on a glorified body, then the Lord's going to take you out. Okay? That's going to happen to every one of us someday. You may not be alive when it happens, but your body is going to go through a metamorphosis. It's going to go through a change. It's going to go through a glorification. Okay? Amen. This is what was going on in Jesus. Now, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, the number seven is significant because it's a picture of the rapture of the church, the seventh trumpet, number one. It's also a picture of the kingdom age, what's going to happen to people after the thousand year kingdom age, their bodies are going to ascend up. Okay? So, so the Bible says he's the seventh from Adam. Now Enoch is walking along. A normal human being. He is walking with God. The Bible says he walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. So Enoch walked with God for a probationary period of time. He's the seventh from Adam. And then God says, okay, you have walked with me so perfectly. Probation is completed. Your probation on the earth is completed. So because you have walked so perfectly with me, come up here with me. And Enoch was caught up into heaven. You understand? So what we have here is Jesus. He walked so perfectly in this life. In fact, he was perfect. 
He fulfilled the letter of the law and the spirit of the law perfectly. He did not break it in any way by thought, word, or deed. And because he did not break the law, the Bible says it was time for his probation to end and it was time for he to, him to be received up at that moment. His body starting to change. His body starting to turn, become glorified. His body is fixing to be taken out of this world because probation complete. He did what he needed to do. But notice what the Bible says when this is happening to him. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He stopped the process. He stopped the glorification. He, he did not go up like Enoch. And the reason the Bible says is he set, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Why? To die for you and me. Because if he goes up as the perfect man, if he goes up having fulfilled the probationary period of time, having lived perfectly, if he does that, that means that you'll never get to go up. If he allows his body to become glorified right then, that means your body will never become glorified. And so he says, I have to go to Jerusalem and I have to die for some people so that they can be saved, so they can experience a glorified body. So that someday they can ascend up. You see? So he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem to die on the cross for you. Instead of having fulfilled that probationary period of time when he kept the law perfectly. Amen. And would have been received up. He said, I'm going to take their place. And I'm going to die for them. So they can go up and they can be glorified someday. Say praise the Lord. So when we look at Jesus, who is typified in this beautiful linen garment here, these ten panels, speak of Jesus, the one who kept the law perfectly. In fact, he is the lawgiver. And then as a man, he kept it perfectly. Say, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad he did not go up, at least at that time? He went to Jerusalem for you and for me, and he died. He didn't have to, but he did. Okay, so go back to Exodus 26. Thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen. Say fine twined linen. Comes from the plant kingdom. Fine twined linen. It is white in its original color. Now you can see it up here in this picture. The white coming through a little better than you can here. <clears throat> but anyway, <clears throat> what does white speak of? Yes, speaks of purity. It speaks of righteousness, correct? So Jesus was pure. Jesus was holy. Jesus was righteous. He was the perfect man. So white speaks of Jesus in his perfect humanity. He is the son of man in the gospel of Luke. That is the white linen. And then the Bible goes on and says, blue, blue, say blue, is the gospel of John. Blue presents Jesus as God. Jesus as God come in the flesh. 
So blue speaks of heaven. Blue is a heavenly color. So the blue in the garment says that Jesus is the Lord of heaven. He is the Lord of heaven. Say amen. The white speaks of him being the son of man in the earth, living perfect and righteous and holy and pure. The gospel of Luke, the son of man. Blue, the Lord from heaven. He's not just a man, but he's God, says John. Amen. And then we go on and he says the next color is purple. Say purple. Now purple speaks of his royalty. And that's the gospel of Matthew. When Matthew writes about Jesus, he presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. That he has a right to the throne. And so purple is the gospel of Matthew depicts Jesus Christ in his royalty, in his majesty. That he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Blue is made up of the color. Uh, purple is made up of the color blue and scarlet. Amen. We'll get into that in just a little bit. All right. Say purple. Gospel of Matthew. Royalty of Jesus. And then we have scarlet. Say scarlet. That's the Tola worm. That's the red worm of Calvary. That speaks of sacrifice. Jesus in his sacrificial death for you and for I. Okay. The gospel of Mark presents Jesus as the servant of the Lord. And that he was willing to go and die for us on the cross. So we have the ten curtains. He fulfilled the law. We have the white son of man. Perfect son of man. Blue. The Lord from heaven. Purple. King of kings. Lord of lords. Scarlet. The suffering uh, lamb of God. Who shed his blood for us. You see that? Four colors. Four gospels. Four aspects of Jesus. A cameo. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the same thing you saw in the gate of the tabernacle. You see in this first curtain of the tabernacle. And when we talked about the gate. The outer enclosure has the same exact colors in this as it had there. It's all depicting Jesus Christ in his glory. Now then the next thing it says. That in this beautiful curtain tabernacle has Cherubim of cunning work shalt thou make them. That means inwrought. They are inwrought into the fabric. Now the cherubim, when you get into heaven, you're going to see in heaven there are cherubim there. You with me? Or you might say cherub or cherubim or cherubim or cherub. A cherub is one. Cherubim is plural. Cherub is one. Cherubim, cherubim is is plural. So you may have heard it pronounced a little bit differently. But when you get to heaven, you're going to see these heavenly creatures around the throne of glory that he is setting upon. But when you talk about his earthly walk here uh, and his resurrection life, the cherubim then, remember this is speaking of Jesus, the cherubim then have to also speak of his inward glory. So the cherubim speaks of his power and his majesty and all the inner workings of God's spirits and everything that Jesus did, all those powerful, majestic things inside that went on inside of Jesus by the spirits of the living God as he 
fulfilled the word of God. Power and majesty. Say amen. Beautiful, isn't it? I just honestly, I, it blows my mind that they were even able to enrot inwardly into that fabric these cherubim. Amen? Now what do cherubim also do? They protect. So this uh, speaks of protection. Hallelujah. Alright, say amen. Isn't that beautiful? It doesn't just speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, though it speaks of His church. Whoa, I lost one. He'll get it back in a minute. Okay? Praise the Lord. There's coming a day. People look at you right now, they don't see the glory that's on the inside. Because you haven't been resurrected yet or glorified yet. But there's coming a day where you're going to change. You're going to be glorified. And you're going to be with the Lord. And all that you are in glory with Him is going to be seen someday, but it's not seen right now. Say praise the Lord. Let's go to Psalm 91. Verse 1, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. The secret place ultimately is the Holy of Holies. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. The Most High is a, is a most holy place term. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. So when you are... Standing, or the priests were standing under that garment right there. They are protected. They are overshadowed. Protected by God. Amen. Ruth talked about it. Let's go to the uh, book of Ruth. Okay, Ruth was a Moabite, Gentile, who converted to the one God of the Bible. She's a type of the Gentile bride of Christ. <laughs> Look at what Ruth says. I'm looking where she says, or Naomi is speaking to Ruth about uh, whose, whose wings thou art come to trust. If anybody comes across that. Second chapter, I believe it is. Thank you, brother. 
Okay, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. And the reference is going back to the tabernacle, the secret place of the Most High God, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, His protection. You see that? Say amen. Okay, let's keep reading. Going back to Exodus 26. Gives us the length of the curtains once again. 28 cubits. Each curtain, each panel, four cubits. Okay, total of 10. We're not going to go through that again. Look at verse 4. Thou shalt make loops of blue upon the edge of one curtain from the selvage in the coupling, and likewise shalt thou make it in the utter shalt thou make it in the uttermost edge of another curtain in the coupling of the seconds. Okay, 50 loops of blue, right? So once again, this speaks of blue, speaks of the Lord from heaven. Okay, speaks of heaven and the Lord from heaven. And then the Bible goes on and tells us, we've got 50 on each side. Those two panels are going to be connected. Okay, verse 6. Thou shalt make... Fifty tatches. These are clasps of gold. They're hooks of gold. Say fifty. Now that's significant because when you move from the outer enclosure, we had the altar for penance. We had the labor for cleansing. Now you're ready to go into the presence of God. So you walk in this room right here. This first room is called the holy place. When you first get in there, remember that back here right over the veil is where these five panels and these five panels are connected by these golden class in holes of blue right over the veil. So when you walk into that holy place, the number 50 is predominant. What does Pentecost mean? Pentecost means 50. 50 days after the first fruits or 50 days after the resurrection was the day of Pentecost. So when you walk in that holy place and you look up there and you see those 50 clasps, those gold, that gold speaks of deity, speaks of the Spirit of God. And number 50 speaks of Pentecost. So you have repented of your sin at the altar. You've been water baptized in Jesus' name at the laver. Now you're ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking of the tongues. And that happens as you enter into the presence of God and begin to praise and worship Him. You look up and you see those 50 class or what did I do with my, there it is, 50 hooks of gold, Leviticus 23, okay, it talks about Pentecost, 50, and in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, let's go to Acts 2. Okay, Acts 2, 1. And when the day of Pentecost, Pentecost means 50, 50 days after the resurrection, 50 days after first fruits. When the day of Pentecost, or the day of 50, was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. 
there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That happened on Pentecost. So the Holy of Holies, when you move into the Holy of Holies, that's when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. On Pentecost are 50. So that's why you have 50 hooks of gold in those 100 total loops. I'm just telling you what happens, all right? Say amen. So, now, there's a lot of churches that you may go to. They will tell you about Jesus Christ, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. That's the gospel, the good news. And many of them will bring you to an altar of repentance. They will take you that through the gate, which is Jesus. They will take you to that altar, and they will lead you to repentance. And a lot of churches will stop right there. And they will tell you that's all you need. They're not fulfilling the plan of the tabernacle. And that's a type and shadow of the progression of the believer. There are some churches that will take you beyond repentance. And baptize you in water. But many churches stop there. But the Bible, the full plan of salvation says repent the altar. And it says, be baptized in Jesus' name, the laver. And it says, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Go inside the tabernacle in the presence of God and become the tabernacle of God. Spirit. By receiving the Holy Ghost. You're in a church tonight that doesn't stop at the altar of repentance. You're at a church tonight that doesn't stop at water baptism. We tell you that you must repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost. That is the full plan of salvation. Okay, are y'all with me? How many of y'all been in churches where they, they taught you to accept Jesus as your personal Savior and then said, you are going to heaven? A tent. It's not called the tabernacle. The second covering of or curtain of goats here is the tent over the tabernacle. The tabernacle speaks of the dwelling place of God. The tent, Ohel, Ohel, tent of meeting, speaks of the people meeting with God. So we have the dwelling place of God here with me. Tabernacle, this curtain, this curtain. We have the tent, oh hell, the tent or the tabernacle, depicting the place where people, the people of God met God. The first covering speaks of the dwelling place of God. The second one speaks of where the people meet with God. And so we have the tent on top of the tabernacle. Does it make sense to you? The length of one curtain shall be 30 cubits. Oh, interesting, because the one before it was 28 cubits. Remember, this one was 28 cubits. Now the Bible says this one's 30 cubits, so it's going to be one cubit longer on each side of the tabernacle. One cubit longer. So it's going to hang longer than the first curtain. You got it? Right here it is. 
Okay, let's keep reading. Okay, the length of one curtain shall be 30 cubits, the breadth of one curtain. Okay, the width of it is going to be the same as the first one, which is four cubits. And the, and the Bible says, And the eleven curtains shall be all of one measure. And thou shalt couple five curtains by themselves. So you're going to take five of those goat hair curtains and you're going to sew them together. And then you're going to take six goat hair curtains and you're going to sew them together with thread and needle. You're going to take the six on one side and the five on the other. And just like that linen curtain, the first one, it's going to be clasped with clasp to bring the six and the five together and make one. But these clasps are made out of brass. They're not made out of gold. They're made out of brass. You with me so far? Say praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Now, verse 9. Eleven curtains of goat hair. Thou shalt couple five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves and shalt double the sixth curtain in the forefront of the tabernacle. So now he says, and we'll get into this, these pictures over here in just a moment. But what he says, a part of the goat hair curtain, you don't see it here because it's, it's showing you the different layers. But a part of this goat hair is going to lay over the top. Or, you see it? The entrance right here. The entrance of the tabernacle is going to have part of this goat hair hanging over it. The Bible doesn't say the first one hangs over. The Bible says the second one, the goat hair hangs over. Half of it hangs over the front. Like a veil on a modest bride. It speaks of covering. It speaks of modesty. This tabernacle speaks of the bride of Christ. And this bride of Christ is covered. She has a veil. In the New Testament, we know what that veil is. It is your hair. In case you don't know it, ladies, you are a house of hair. So the fact that half of one of those panels are laying in the front of the face of that tabernacle is a picture of the covering of the bride who's standing there modestly veiled before her king. And the only way to come into his presence is by way of a sin offering for you and I that's covering the face of that. Say praise the Lord, church. In verse 10, And thou shalt make fifty loops on the edge and one curtain that is outmost in the coupling and fifty loops in the edge of the curtain which coupleth the second. Thou shalt make fifty tatches of what? Brass. Now we're getting into judgment. He became sin for us. He's the sin offering. That your judgment fell upon Him. Does that make sense to you? But it also speaks of the church. So that means that for there to be unity or union 
of the eleven and the six or the five and the six together, it says there has to be judgment upon sin. Whoa. Think about that. Before we can have unity in this house, there must be judgment upon sin. Because the brass speaks of judgment bringing the curtains together in unity. So for preachers or saints to think that, we're supposed to all just come in here, we're supposed to be in unity, let's don't even talk about sin, let's just cover up sin, let's don't preach against sin, is not biblical. In order for you to have true unity in this house, sin must be judged. So the brass hooks are bringing the unity of those 11 curtains, five on one and six on the other together. Does that make sense? Say praise the Lord. It's also interesting that there's 11 of them. And one of the 12 disciples, Judas Iscariot, betrayed him. Amen. I think it's also interesting too. That the last three and a half years, we got a half of the fold, half of the curtain of goat hanging on the front. And we've got 11 panels. We have 11 threes in the life of Jesus. He lived approximately 33 years, maybe a little longer. 11 threes. Okay, you with me? Say 11 threes. In the life of Jesus. 33 years. Okay. But it was only the last three, three and a half years that were actually seen. You understand? Because the other time he was a carpenter. And the last three and a half years were seen of his life. When he started to bring about his atonement for us. So only half, you understand, of that panel is seen. Praise God. That, that might not make sense to you, but anyway... It all speaks of Him. I'm doing my best to try to show that to you. Okay. Look at verse 12. And the remnant that remaineth of the curtain of the tent, the half curtain that remaineth shall hang over the backside of the tabernacle. Amen. So now he talks about the backside of the tabernacle. So it's going to hang over the backside. Now, um... When we get to the picture, I'll show it to you in a minute. This thing is so long. It's longer than the first curtain. It is so long that when it lays over, you got half of that one. Remember, you have 11 instead of 10. The first one had 10 panels, same width. This one has 11, same width. So you got one panel uh, longer than the first curtain. When it lays on the back... We got half of one panel pictured here, but we got laying on the back side of the tabernacle is even longer than the first one, so it's going to look like a wedding gown when it flows off the back of the tabernacle. It's going to look like a, a train, a bridal train. You'll see it in a moment. Okay? All right, Brother Bloss, let's go through this real quick. Let's see. 
He's given us the dimensions here. Uh, 30 cubits long. I'll say wide so you'll understand that it's this is facing over the width of the tabernacle here. There's a total of 11 of them. Okay. The faces that covers the length of the tabernacle. Say 11. How many did the first one have? 10. Okay. What was the first one made out of? Linen. And wrought with all those beautiful colors. This is goat's hair. Black. 11 of those. So this is bigger. And one more panel. Okay, go ahead. Next picture. Okay, see five on one side, six on the other. You got a dimension on it? We got 20 cubits. And we got 24 cubits. Total of 44 cubits. Remember, because we added a panel. So instead of having 40 cubits, we got 44 total cubits. Say amen. 44 cubits. 40 cubits is 60 feet. Add four more cubits. It's about 66 feet, right? This one had 60 feet. This one's got 66 feet. Amen? So you see it's longer, correct. Longer this way, laying on the tabernacle. About six feet. Approximately six feet and wider laying this way by two cubits. Because this one's 30, this one, this one's 30, this one was 28. You understand? So you got another cubit hanging over here and another cubit hanging over there long, lengthwise. <laughs> wow. So anyway, do the calculations in your head. 66 long. 30 cubits wide, that's 45 feet. You got. Yeah, okay. Praise the Lord. It's bigger than the previous one. Amen. Go on, brother. Get me out of this. Okay, on this one, you see the panels. Have these rings, okay? Six on one side, five on the other. These rings are right there, hard to see here in the picture. Go ahead and go to the next one. Here's those brass hooks. Speaks of judgment, judgment upon sin. Jesus being the sin offering. Next. Okay, there it is. So it is so long. Not only is it going on the front. Like the veil of a covering of a modest bride that's flowing off in the back like a wedding train. In fact, the Hebrew is saved. They call it, they liken it to a wedding gown. Okay. Go on. And you get the other image. It shows it hanging down so that this covers the first one. So you could not see the first one's glory. Because this one would have completely covered it. So the only one that ever saw this beautiful curtain of glory was the priest. You could not see it from the outside. It was covered by the curtains of goat's hair. Say praise the Lord church. Isn't God good? 
Okay, keep going. All right, now we come to the next covering. And it's the ram skin dyed red. Exodus 26. Verse 14. Thou shalt make a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red. Notice, no dimension given. Dimension given on the first curtain, the initial ceiling. Dimension given on the curtains, 11 curtains of ram, I mean goat's hair. But no dimension is given for that. And this picture is inaccurate. These ramskins dyed red do not hang over the side of the tabernacle. Okay? It laid right on top of the second covering of goat's hair on the inner part of the tabernacle. Didn't overhang. The Bible doesn't say it overhung. It doesn't give dimension. It doesn't say overhang. So it was laying right on the top. Say amen. Okay. Ram's skins dyed red. You will notice in this picture, give me the altered opinion. See that? Go back, brother. You will see in this picture, they combined the ram skins dyed red with the badger skin and make it one skin. Okay? Alternate opinion. Two separate. Ram skin dyed red. Then on top of that, the badger skin. That's what I believe. There was two separate. And these are called coverings. They're not called curtains. They're called coverings. So the first one, or the next one I should say, on top of the goat's hair, is the ram skins, not hair. Ram skins dyed red which pictures the animal had been slaughtered. The skins are stained with blood. So it ought to be pretty easy for you to discern what the ram skins dyed red depict. Well, the, sin, the goat speaks of the sin offering. The ram speaks of his substitutionary death for you and I. Remember, it was the ram that was caught in the thicket as a substitute for Isaac. So the ram speaks of Christ in his substitutionary death for you. He took your place and mine on the cross and shed his blood. Amen. But it also speaks of consecration. Look at Leviticus chapter 8. Am I losing you? Are you getting bored? Okay. I got three of you. He said, no, sir. The rest of you are bored out of your mind. Okay, Leviticus chapter 8. Now look, while you're turning there, who is Jesus likened to in the animal kingdom? Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. What does a lamb speak of? It speaks of Jesus' lowliness. But here he's called a ram. He's the ram, okay, that died. 
A ram doesn't speak of lowliness. A ram speaks of strength. It, spring, it, it speaks as, as, as we begin the whole thing tonight. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's the ram. That is consecration. That's devotion. He's consecrated to do God's will. He's devoted to do God's will. He sets his face like a flint to fulfill the will of God, even the will of God that takes him to the cross. The strength of the ram. When the ram moves, he moves. He's, you can see his strength, his authority, his power. Amen. He's a leader. He's in headship. And that's Jesus going forth to die on the cross as a substitute for you and I. Devoted and committed and consecrated to the will of God even though it meant His death on the cross. Leviticus chapter 8 speaks of the consecration of the priest. And associated with the consecration of the priest is the ram for a sacrifice. Leviticus 8, 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil, and a bullock for the sin offering, and two rams and a basket of unleavened bread. So now we see the ram is connected to the consecration of the priesthood. Or the devoting of the priesthood. It speaks of holiness. So for Jesus, it speaks of his commitment, his consecration to do the will of God. For you and I, when we fulfill this aspect in our life, we are consecrated to the Lord's will. We are devoted to his will. We are set apart. The ram speaks of separation. It speaks of holiness. It speaks of consecration. It speaks of devotion. The world calls it legalism. The world calls it legality. God calls it devotion. Carnal Christians call it legality. God calls it devotion. The world mocks you and the world scorns you for your consecration. And the carnal Christian says it's legality. But God says, no, it's devotion. It's having a resolve and a commitment and a devotion to God that pushes you through all the scorn, all the mockery of the world. And all the words that come out of carnal Christian's mouth. That says we don't need it. We're living in grace now. That's all legalism. No. You're a carnal Christian. It speaks to our devotion. Our resolve. To live for God. And to obey God's word. Say amen. Some of you young people need to get this. You need to get a devotion. A consecration unto God. For holiness. And when people start saying that's legalism. You don't need that. 
You need to know where they're coming from. They're carnal. They're fleshly. The world mocks you, scorns you. You've got to be like a ram, stately, marching forward in your commitment and consecration and devotion to God. Amen? Say praise the Lord, church. So that Jesus was the substitutionary. He died as a substitute for you and I, and He was devoted to do that, consecrated to the will of God. Say praise the Lord. Get that in your spirit. Because that doesn't just speak of Jesus, it speaks of you. Amen. The next one. Exodus. <coughs> Exodus 26 in that same passage where it talks about the ram skins dyed red. It talks about another covering. It's called the badger skin. And the covering above of badger skins. Notice, no dimension given. So, last covering. Fourth one, right here, badger skin. Probably, once again, laid right on top of the top of the tabernacle. And it's what? It's a covering. I think you say the word, when it talks about badger skin, I think you say in Hebrew word, nakash. Nakash. Say nakash. They translate it, nakash. Badger skin. But we don't know what nakash is. They translated it badger skin. Okay? The Hebrew is say, Nakash was an animal that only existed during the days of the tabernacle. That that animal doesn't even exist anymore. The Septuagint translates the Hebrew word Nakash this way. Thou shalt make for a covering of the tabernacle ram skins dyed red and blue skins as coverings above. They don't translate in the Septuagint. And the Septuagint is the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. They don't translate it as badger skin. They just simply say, Nakash means bluish in color. That's the way they translate the word. Some say it was badger skins. Some say it was porpoise skins that they got from the porpoises of the Red Sea. Others say it was an animal that doesn't even exist anymore. But they, they agree that it was bluish gray in color. And it was the outer covering of the other three. The linen the goat's hair, and the ram skin dyed red. This would be what you would see on the top of the tabernacle was that skin or that covering. Okay? What does it speak of? 
Well, it looks pretty here. It really does. I, I, I tell you what, the way they depicted it in theirs, that's beautiful. See the blue there? Okay. But this speaks of Jesus' outward humanity when he walked the earth. That glory did try to radiate through him when he fulfilled the law. But there was no beauty or comeliness that you would desire him when you looked at him. And when people looked on the outside and they saw those, we'll just say for the sake of translation, badger skin. There was nothing on the outside of that tabernacle that said, I want to be a part of that. There was no outward beauty. Go to Isaiah 52. This speaks of Jesus in his humiliation. Think with me. Think with me. If this covering, Akash, is the last one on top of the others, then what would have happened to it? Well, the rain would have beat upon it. Storms would have come. Storm clouds. Rain. Sand. Beating on it. Winds blowing. Beating the sand. On the top of the badger skin. And then the storm clouds come, drop the rain on it, and the sun beating down its heat upon that outward covering. Isaiah 52, verse 13 Behold, my servant shall deal prudently, he shall be exalted and extolled. And be very high, as many were astonished, astonished, astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That's that tabernacle. That's that outer skin. There was no beauty, no outward beauty, that when you looked at that tabernacle, that you would desire him. Jesus experienced the wrath of God upon him. Jesus experienced the storm clouds of judgment upon him. Jesus experienced the infernal heat 
of hell against him. When he walked this earth. The Bible says there was no beauty in him that you would desire him. He would despise. He was rejected of men. He was a lonely man. He was a man of sorrows, a man acquainted with grief, despised and rejected of the people. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our face from him, and he was despised, and we esteemed him not. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. People looked at Jesus in his earthly ministry. There was nothing on the outside that drew them to him. They despised him. They rejected him. He was a man of sorrows. People hid their faces from him. When he was fixing to die on the cross, Isaiah 52 says they pulled his hair out of his beard, put a crown of thorns on his head, pressed it into his scalp, spit on him, spittle run down his face. Scourged him. Took him and nailed him to a cross. As the mobs cheered and laughed. That's that skin. That's also you and that's also me. And that's why so many people, you wonder why do they quit? Why do they go to the world? Because when they get in the church, they start experiencing the suffering and the grief and the rejection and being despised and days of loneliness, the mocking and the scorning. So they want the fame of the world. They want the world to smile upon them. I will tell you tonight, if you're famous, if the world smiles on you, how can you be his disciple? This speaks of the believer in this world. Despised and rejected and lonely and mocked and scourged and lonely and suffering with no acceptance from the world no smile from the world upon the face if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ then you have to be like your master you have to be willing to suffer with him before you're exalted with him you have to die before you're crowned. 
and forgive me when I say this, but let me just ask you the question instead of making a statement. How many of you today are trying to fit into the world? You want to look like the world? You want the world to accept you? You want the world to like you? And what you're trying to do is get rid of an old outer skin. You can't if you're a true follower of Christ. Someday. In the future. When Jesus is seen in all of his glory. Right here. Only then will the badger skin be rolled away. And for you and for I, only when we are raptured to be with our Lord in heaven throughout eternity, will your badger skin be removed. So when you start going through the similar things that Jesus went through when he was on this world, it will let you know that you are a true follower of Christ. They didn't want him. Isn't that sad? You know what's really sad? Is that when they people when the people came around him. There was nothing in him that they desired him. And what's even worse, they never even asked him. Where did you come from? They didn't care. Someday. He's going to return. Not as the despised and rejected man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's going to return as King of kings and Lord of lords. And His glory is going to be seen His glory will be upon the earth as the waters cover the sea. Those faithful, rejected, despised, mocked, lonely, grieving saints of God will have that badger skin removed as you're caught up and changed in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump of God. I'll tell you, my good friends, see my good friend back here tonight. He got the Holy Ghost Sunday night. I, I, I will tell my guest here tonight that all of you who are here tonight. What you can expect as you become a follower of Christ. Is a life of badger skin. A life of sorrow and pain. And yes, you have the joy of the Lord. 
But that's in the inward reality. Where your spirit is in union with the, the, the living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on the inside and in the spirit, the holy of holies, where God's spirit is, there's glory and there's joy. And there's peace, and there's victory, and there's happiness. But on the outside, the buffeting of the storm clouds, the rain, the sun, as the infernal heat of hell comes against you. That's what happens around you. That priest walked in to that place and saw the beauty. We can teach you, we can preach to you, we can talk to you about how glorious it is to be filled with the Holy Ghost, all the joy and the peace that you have inwardly. But until you go in yourself and you look up and you see the beauty of that curtain, until you experience it for yourself, we could tell you about it. But when you experience that inward glory and be born again of the water and the Spirit, what you used to think was up becomes beautiful. And what you used to think was beautiful becomes ugly to you. Say praise the Lord, church. But you have to go in inside the presence of God and look up and see the beauty for yourself and experience the beauty for yourself. When you look at the sisters in their holiness, you go, <laughs> why do you do this? Right now, badger skin. But if you only saw what was on the inside of me, the power of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God, the spirit, the joy, the peace of God in me. Don't look at the outward. Don't look at the outward. Amen. Aren't you glad you know him today? I thank God. I thank God. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? It is. It is hard. But that's identifying with him. Amen. Next time you're rejected, remember Jesus was too. Next time you're despised, remember He was too. Next time when people don't desire you, remember nobody desired Him. I say nobody, only His disciples. Thank God for His awesome words. It's okay for you to be beautiful on the outside as long as you don't violate the Scripture in doing it. You violate the scripture in doing it. You're trying to rip the veil off. You're, you're trying to rip that badger skin off. And really what you're saying is, I don't want to follow that Nazarene. I want to be famous and popular and powerful. I want the world to like me. Let me love the Lord for what he did for you. <laughs>
That is the Christ of those coverings and curtains. It represents the church of the living God. And I'm thankful tonight. You come in this church and you might not, you might look around, especially, maybe now it's a little nicer than what it used to be, but when people used to walk in that old barn on Brazos, the first building we had, it was for sure had no outward beauty that any would desire it. This is an old tin building. They walked in. They looked up. There wasn't even a ceiling like that. It was nothing but rusty old tin. Had skylights. <laughs> green skylights in the tin. With big old light bulbs like this. Nothing but a mechanic shop. You first walked in there with for sure no beauty there. Until the presence of God began to move and begin to flow. And the people found out real fast. It wasn't in the beauty of the, the location. The beauty was inside of the building. When Jesus started moving inwardly. Amen. Y'all remember how many y'all remember those days? Praise the Lord. Now you come in here, it's a little bit prettier. Not a whole lot. Amen. But I thank God for what He's given us. It's just, this is just an old building here that we meet, the church meets, to worship the King of Glory. I'm looking forward to the day when the old badger skin's removed. And that's what you're living for now. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Don't get faint-hearted when the world rejects you. Don't get discouraged if they don't even ask you, where are you from? Just keep living for the Lord. And every once in a while, the glory of God will be radiating through you. They'll get a glimpse of it every once in a while. Are you glad that uh, you know Him? I'm glad I know Him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Last thing I'm going to tell you is that priest walked into that tabernacle. He looked up and saw those beautiful colors and inrock cherubim in there. Those tatches of gold running across right over the veil. The glory of that place. The majesty and power of that place and the protection of that place. Wow, looked up, looked to God for help. Looked to God for strength, looked to God for protection. Experienced the glory of God. And then looked down and he was standing on a dirt floor. So he'd never forget. that When you come into the presence of God and you worship God and you look down at that dirt floor and you say, I better look up. Because I'm still in this world. <laughs> I'm still in this world and I need God's help. So I'm going to look up to the glory. Praise the Lord. You're going to leave here tonight. And, and, and I haven't screamed. I haven't run. I haven't done any of that. I've just taught, preached the word of God a little bit to you tonight. And you're going to leave this place. And you've been in the presence of the glory of God.
You've experienced that joy and that power and that strength and that protection as you've looked up to God tonight. And you're going to walk out of here and you're going to feel good if you've entered into the message. And then you're going to walk out there in that old cold world. And reality is going to hit you right in the face. I haven't been raptured yet. I'm still in the world. Uh, trouble's coming. Problems are coming. But I look up to God again. And I say, God, give me joy. Give me peace. Give me power. Give me strength. I look up to you. And when I experience that glory, something always brings me back down to earth. There's some problem I'm going to have tomorrow. Amen. You know, there's some people, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. <laughs> Let me say that again. There's some people so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. <clears throat> they walk around with their head in the clouds. That's all right if you're head in the cloud. That's fine. Amen. But they never do nothing in life. Look down there. You're still in the world. You need to get some things done. Praise the Lord. Yes, pray. Let's lift your heads. Look to God. But then when you look down, get busy. Start serving. Start serving in the world. Serving in this earth. Get busy serving God. Get busy doing something for God. I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. But then there's some people that are so earthly minded they know heavenly good. That's all they are about is the earth. Amen. Look down that old dirt floor. And then look up to the glory above. And that priest knew. He said, I looked down, he saw that. He said, I need peace and glory and joy. I find it right there. I find protection right there. Why don't you just really physically tonight look up? Yeah, look up to God, not to the white towel, to God. Amen. And just begin to thank you for the joy and the peace and the power and the, that, that, that he gives you. Hallelujah. From heaven. You better get it, because when you walk out the door, you're going to look down. And there's the dirt floor again. Troubles are waiting you. Troubles are waiting me. Problems are coming. As soon as I leave here, I'm going out there. And so are you. Brother Carbacal came in here and I looked at him and he looked at me. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm all right. I looked at him real for a little bit longer. And I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. He said, I just got off work, didn't have a chance to change my clothes like I wanted to. Cause it's, you know what you just said? Dirt floor of the tabernacle. But I've come into the house of God to lift my head to heaven. To lift my hands to heaven because I need my God. I need my Jesus. Say praise the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that you could come tonight and look up and see the glory? You've been looking at the dirt dirt floor all day long. That old sin cursed earth. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm glad tonight I could be in the house of the Lord. I needed this. You need it, bro? 
I needed this. I was standing up here tonight, the very beginning of the service, nothing but pain. But I'm feeling all right now. I'm feeling all right now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. He's an awesome God tonight. I'm looking to him. I'm looking to him. God bless your heart. Jesus, I pray for this church tonight. Lord, as we go forth from this house, that you would bless your people in the midst of this world. Thank you for all the inward realities. We tonight have come under your wings. We are trusting you to protect us. We're looking forward to the day, Father, when the badger skinner is ripped off and the glory can be seen. Lord, we connect ourselves to you by way of prayer. We thank you for washing us with your blood. In Jesus' name. So three of them speak of his suffering and rejection and one speaks of his glory. Those are the curtains and coverings of Jesus Christ. Isn't this a beautiful depiction of the Lord? Praise God. Amen. Let's pray one more time. It won't you draw close. You don't have to come to the altar tonight. But won't you just draw near to him? You made your way to the altar and you've already got the sin taken care of. You've, the Word of God has cleansed you tonight. And why don't you draw near to Him? If you will, He'll draw near to you. Get what you need tonight before you leave this place.